Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Blend, a podcast that loves porgs, Whole Foods, and the musical stylings of Mark McGrath, and all of that will make sense in a second. My name is Sean (laughs) O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and this is an action-packed all-star edition of our weekly podcast. Before we get to our special guest... We have to say hello to Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, how are you, sir? You act like it's a dude. Like, we have to say hi to Jake. Like, it's in it's in his contract that we have to say hello to him. I also have to choose, like, which one I introduce first. I try and rotate it, um, but every once in a while, I lose track of who got to go first. I'm keeping time. track. I'm up by four. Yes. I've actually been told the opposite, Sean. I've been told that you send texts to Gabe and Jake without me, and Jake complains if he's not introduced first that he will no longer do our podcast. This is true. These are things that we need I, to tell our I often remind Sean, I am two-time Best Hair Award winner Jake Hamilton, true. and I will be treated with respect. That other voice is uh, Kevin McCarthy, Fox 5 <laughs> Entertainment Reporter in Washington, D.C., who we can now um, introduce. No, Welcome to the uh, Best Friends with Tom Cruise fan club. Yeah, Best, best friends, friends with Tom Cruise fan club. Yeah, he Have actually gave me the card. Before? He gave me, he handed me the card after my interview was over. It said Best Friends with Tom Cruise and it had all the awesome. different locations on the back and who were his other friends. But I do want to say the introduction you just gave. So every week, Sean does a like a, a very funny introduction as he introduces our show. Borderline and the, funny. The elements that he just said in his introduction can also pertain to me myself. So I just oh. want to... Make sure people know I'm a Sugar Ray fan, too. Just well, let me, let me, let's get to <laughs> why I mentioned those things. This is episode... Lemonade and brownies. ...number 31 of the podcast, which I believe makes it slightly older than Jake. But it's the first time that we have had this very special guest who we've been trying to book on Real Blend since day one. So everyone, please say hello to Entertainment Tonight's Ash Crossin on the show. Ash is with us. Say hello. Is she there? She froze? She dropped out. Did we lose her? It's okay. Ash we took left, way too long to Ash get to her. <laughs> she bailed out. She was on 100%. Hold on. I think she's coming back. Wait, I'm do back. we have the option to just leave whenever we want to? No, you can't just leave whenever you I want mean, to. Why am I just now finding out 31 episodes in that we could just leave? I would have done that at like four four scum references ago. Ash, I gave you a great setup if you didn't realize. I know. Can you see me? Am I back? Mm, you're back. We can hear we you. hear you. Oh. Say hello to everyone, Ash. I don't know. Hello, guys. I, I heard your introduction to me, and I thought it was wonderful, because I do love Porgs and Sugar Ray and Whole Foods. <laughs> um, well, then, then you fit in perfectly here. Uh, you know, sometimes you just can't control Wi-Fi. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. Well, some of you might be watching us on the Cinema Blend Facebook page, and so we want to say welcome. Um, we're going to have Ash with us for the entire show. She's going to play along with all of our fun games. Maybe. As always, yeah, right, we can get these technical glitches worked out. Uh, questions and comments can be dropped into the comment section below, and Gabe will bring them over to us. We'll address them as the show continues. The rest of you likely downloaded this episode later uh, via iTunes or Spotify or the usual podcast apps, and we made a deal with you guys that if you leave us a review on our iTunes page, we are going to read it. And so you guys have been absolutely awesome about writing reviews. We actually got three new ones last week which is totally incredible yes but at the risk of just sitting here and gushing about ourselves um and making ash totally bored she's back we see her hello yay Um, we're only going to read one of them and then we're going to save the others for our next show so i want to read this one from robert shivery who writes it has become apparent this is this is great i say this every week but this is really great it has become apparent the criticism in the movie industry by both fans and critics has become very jaded and violent Reading reviews online sometimes feels 
Like it is either a masterpiece or total crap. There is no gray area. And actually we make that joke on this podcast all the time. If someone doesn't like something, it means that they totally hate it. It's a joke though. And this guy gets it. This podcast though, darn, if it isn't nice to have a place to safely listen to and interact with true professional nerds, friends that remind you of what it is like to sit around a table and just geek out over movies Best of all, they have different opinions, heralded with a level of professionalism and humor that is a true breath of fresh air. If you have any love of movies, then you belong here. These guys are a joy to listen to, and this podcast is something special, and he ends it with a Dunkirk in quotations marks oh and an God. exclamation point. So thank you very much, Robert, for that outstanding review. Yeah, thank you for Robert. adding Dunkirk at the end. I, I Honestly, that's my goal in life is that everybody ends every sentence that they say and everything they say to anybody, whether it be their parents, their children, anything, with the word Dunkirk. So you know, we're, if we're slowly moving that out, and uh, it's happening in our reviews, I'm happy with that. So, Dunkirk. Ash, now that we have you back after the introduction, explain yes. the Whole Foods thing to me. Why do people associate you with Whole Foods? Oh, my gosh. Well, I work in Burbank um, in L.A., and there are no food options here, like when you want to go eat for lunch. So I was eating at like the same freaking place every day, which was Simsy's, which I still love Simsy's. Um, but they put in a Whole Foods and I went to it and it has a full bar with like at least 20 beers on tap and like a great sushi I've always selection. wondered, who and are the people that drink at, at Whole Foods? Me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> can, I, can I say one thing about Whole Foods? And I, and I love Whole Foods, but... I'm a I'm weirdly a brand guy. So like like when I buy Cheez-Its, I want them to be called Cheez-Its. But I think Whole Foods, I think they it's all off brands, right? Nothing there is actual brands. Well, Am I right like about Trader that? That's like Trader Joe's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, can't, I, can't. Yeah, I don't know. I just go around the outside. Like I haven't even gone up and down cuz they have a lot of like fresh food there. So when I'm like you can go there for lunch and like pick up a salad or a pizza or a sushi. Gotcha. They do have really good sushi. Really good sushi. ten wines, like whatever you want. (laughs) We did not bring you on to talk sushi, believe it or not. This episode of Real Villain, sponsored by Whole Foods. By Whole Foods. I'm trying to get sponsored by Whole Foods. If Gabe is doing his work, then that's what's going to happen. We (laughs) are going to play, what are we playing this week? We're playing Hashtag Ridley Blend, um, the films of Sir Ridley. We are going to uh, discuss Comic-Con coverage, because Ash and I were both there, and Kevin and Jake were playing along from home. We are going to, um, we're going to work in, Kevin had a great suggestion for a mini blend game about the stunts from Mission Impossible, where we discuss what we think are the best stunts from Mission Impossible. Um, And we're going to start with news, like we always do. So let's dive right in, because I want to ask you guys now whether the casting of uh, Robert De Niro and possibly Francis Conroy has you excited about this Joker movie. Does it make you more or less excited for the idea of this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie? Don't all jump at once. Who wants to go? Ash, you go first. I'll start. It's just like pure DC confusion. I'm like, oh my God, there's another Joker movie. Does this have anything to do with the d- current DCEU? I don't know what's going on. I'm obsessed with the cast. I love Joaquin Phoenix. Like De Niro, sure. Yeah, give it to me. But like, what the hell's going on? I'm so confused about it. I don't think you know, we know. We've seen De Niro kind of play superheroes before. I think this is his, this is his first actual comic book film right uh, and his entire filmography if i'm right yes. i mean like you could argue that taxi driver was a superhero element in the regards to what he was doing and helping out you know the jody foster's character but that was a <laughs> that was a definitely a, a bit of a, yeah i mean <laughs> listen you could call it the equalizer he considers himself a, a superhero and that's not that's denzel but um yeah I, I think it's an interesting casting choice i like this concept already because i, I think todd phillips uh is an interesting filmmaker to me i think that 
The Hangover was one of the first comedies I ever saw that actually took cinematography very seriously. Uh, you know, comedies looked the same for a long time, and there are some sprinkled uh, past before that that did look really good, but I think that Phillips has a very, very technical uh, way of storytelling, even when he drops it into a comedy. I mean, listen, Hangover looked incredible. I mean, it was a phenomenally beautiful film, uh, but uh, Road Trip was great too. So I'm interested to see what he brings to this. Also, Walking Phoenix... Yeah, I mean, I'm still here. I still think it's one of the greatest performances in years. Uh, so I'm interested to see how kind of how wacky he gets with it, and the De Niro concept of him being a talk show host, reportedly from the Hollywood Reporter, sounds well, we, interesting as well. We Is it supposed this? to be a comedy? Uh, no, I don't I, think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. But I mean, we care about this because Scorsese's producing it, right? Like, so it's potentially Scorsese shaping a Joker. Is he movie. still producing it? Because ever since uh, all these casting news announcements have come out, I haven't seen Scorsese's name attached to it anymore. I don't is know. He still, That's a good question. I, mean, I just feel like I don't know. And and I, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This is still to me just a really well cast movie that I don't want to happen. I don't care who the Joker is or where he came from. I, the whole appeal to me of the Joker is that we don't know anything about him. I think once you start picking him apart and ex- over explaining him to me, then it just loses the mystery of who well, the Joker is. Because if you cast Francis Conroy, they've said that he she's going to play his mom. Like I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to know who the Joker's mom is. Oh no 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 no. I know. Also, there's I, so many other Batman villains that are so good, and they've never gotten a movie. Like we have like 90 million Joker movies. Yeah. Right. Like I love Scarecrow. Yeah. Give me a Scarecrow movie. Ooh, Man, that I, should be really good. I just find it interesting. And listen, I I know Suicide Squad was very. Um, very, very hated on. I still think the first act of that movie is legit, and I, I do think that Leto did a good job in the role. Um, but I do find that, yeah, DC, I just don't know what's going to happen. Is is it going to be produced well? Is it going to look well? I don't know. We'll see. But I, I think that uh, I'm interested in seeing it only because Joaquin Phoenix is one of the best actors of our generation, and I think that he will definitely go full on with it and i think phillips being a director for it sounds interesting and are the directors from crazy stupid love doing another dc film as well what are they doing are, are aren't those birds of prey with margot robbie i thought they were doing something with the dcu eu i don't know what's I mean, actually what's actually on the slate these days though yeah, yeah. right exactly like, we all get announced and, and what does it mean to be on the dc slate essentially you know they're just throwing it out there waiting to see where our reaction is and then if we don't like it they just sort of hope we forget about it yeah I think I'm on the DC slate. I think they're, they're <laughs> developing something around me. I'd much rather watch a movie about your backstory than the Joker's backstory. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Ready Player One is out on DVD and Blu-ray, I believe. Yeah, you guys got yeah, copies of it? Um, Ooh, Kevin, yeah, have, you go re- get mine. have you revisited it yet, Kevin? Uh, dude, yeah. We, we put it in the immediately the, the moment it came in. My wife is amazing about getting steel books, as Jake just kind of pulled up here. Right. Uh, we, we love having the steel books in our house. Right, if you're I watching actually was, on the Facebook feed, Jake is about to hold up his steelbook. I was on a, um, I was on a Tom Cruise, uh, a cruise uh, a couple weeks ago with, for vacation, and at the end of the cruise, the last day, they were showing Ready Player One on the back of the boat. Uh, so I forced my family to go down there and watch the film. I on love our that vacation. you spent your last day on a cruise watching a movie that comes out on Blu-ray in like Which he's days. seen five times already. Right. Also. I will say this. There's something kind of crazy about being on the back of the second largest cruise ship in the world with 8,000 people aboard and on the back of the boat watching the water go by while two massive screens are playing the best film of 2018 so far. Okay, there are 8,000 people un- on the boat. How many people were watching the movie? Maybe no. 12. Yeah, none. I saw the seats were empty. 
That's okay. I mean, listen, some of the greatest movies of all time took a while to get some audiences. It's a Wonderful Life bombed at the box we're, office. We're so. not talking about box office. We're talking about the fact that you were on a cruise ship <laughs> vacationing with your family and drove Dude. them to a movie that you've seen five you times. You know what? I support it. Thank cruise you, ship, Ash. Cruise ships get a little boring after a few days. Listen, <laughs> ready? As long, first of all, as long as Lauren ready, supports it. Ready Player One. Ready Player One is honestly, there's nothing more exciting than that first race sequence uh, during the first uh, key, and uh, seeing that on the big screen again was very, very amazing to watch. How uh, bad did that look on an outside screen? Though? Incredible. It was incredible. Oh, really? It was still it looked, good pre- presentation because yeah, I'd be I'm, annoyed. No, it looked fantastic. I mean, that movie. You guys all saw it. I saw. It, I think I saw it five times in theaters. It was. It was a it was an experience like unlike anything I'd ever seen before, especially the IMAX 3D element of it when you dive into the Oasis with Ty Sheridan for the first time. It was just mind blowing. But that I didn't race watch scene, the Honest trailer. Was the Honest trailer funny? It's very funny, actually. See, was I wasn't as crazy about the Honest trailer. I I I thought it was uh, it was easy punches that they were okay. taking at it. Ash, did you like Ready Player One? Um, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> wow, everyone breathe. Oh, God. Everyone breathe. I'm just going to hang up. Yeah. Don't, you, don't you work in movies? <laughs> yeah, but I don't see every single thing. The, the real point I'm getting from this is she does not listen to Real Blend at all. No. <laughs> because she in should Ash, know better than to admit to Kevin McCarthy that she hasn't seen Ready Player no, One. In Ash's defense, there are yeah. movies, there are big movies this year I haven't seen yet either based on scheduling. I haven't seen Skyscraper yet. I haven't seen uh, a couple No, we're talking about good films. movies. No, I, hey, did you see Skyscraper, though? No one saw it. I don't know if it was good or bad. No, no, according to The Rock's Twitter account, he likes to remind us that it is the number one movie yeah, in the number world. Number one globally. Number one. All right. No, when, um, when they were screening it, I was somewhere, and then I just missed it, and then I, yeah, whatever. I what are your thoughts on Forrest Gump? No, stop. Don't derail the podcast this quickly. Please. <laughs> um, should Henry Cavill use whatever pull he has to get Chris McQuarrie to direct Man of Steel 2? Yes. Does that mean we lose him from the Mission Impossible series? Yes, you do. Do we need Man of Steel 2? And if we need it, does Chris McCoy need to direct it? Is Snyder I, done? Oh, yeah. Snyder, Snyder has washed his hands of, of DC? Yes. Snyder has moved on. Do you I think Chris McCoy can do a Superman movie? Here's can the thing. He? Yes. Well, the thing about the Superman film, Man of Steel specifically, is it's very... it's. Snyder, in my opinion, was very good with CGI. He he worked with CG well. Um, I think that Macquarie is a very big practical guy, and I think that that shows obviously within the Mission films and Rogue and and obviously um, Fallout. He mixes CG and and practical well. Um, I think that with a film like Three Hundred, when Snyder kind of directed it, basically the entire film Sin City style on green screen, he was able to make it. It, it pulled it off really well. So Man of Steel would require a lot of CG work. And I don't know if Macquarie would be interested in going down that much with that much CG. I think he's a big practical guy. So I don't, I don't know how they would do that. I read a joke the other day that if Tom Cruise ever played Superman, they would have him flying for real. And I, I don't know how they would, I don't know. I don't think Macquarie would dive into that. I don't know. It seems weird for him, but you Ash, never know. Ash, why isn't Henry Cavill bigger than he is? Uh, I, I think he's pretty big. I don't know. He's like Superman, but I, I also think a lot of it comes down to like the way that people behave in like interviews and stuff. Mm. And I think that if you're like a big personality and really fun and people really like engaging with you, you end up becoming a bigger star. Like Jennifer Lawrence, for example, when she first came around, it was like everybody wanted to watch all the interviews with her and be around her and meet her. And I don't know if Henry Cavill has necessarily done that. It seems like he's starting to like play a little more, but I don't, I feel like he didn't on his initial 
run. It's true. He is ridiculously charming, though. We all we got a chance to sit down with him he, for a mission. And you know when someone is like too handsome to be realistic for you to date? Do that's I? Like, that's like Henry Cavill, and I'm like uh, Kevin no. McCarthy. I'm like not interested. <laughs> You're too handsome. Now I know Jake. When I first met Jake, he told me the exact same thing. So it's one of those things where I'm too are, handsome to date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, but I do. Can we say? Can I say one thing about Man of Steel? Because I think Man of Steel was. Um, I think one of the films that in the DCEU, it wasn't completely hated. Thankfully, it was, there was a, there was like half the, there were half the people who actually loved that film. And I, I thought, I love Man of Steel. Dude, you and I were sat next to each other. I almost went back to see it immediately after it ended. I think, I think that film was a masterpiece. And I genuinely mean that. I think from, from, from start to finish, Hans Zimmer's score, uh, Cavill's perfect, in the role. Uh, I thought that Snyder did a brilliant job. I still cannot get over the way he shot those scenes with him and Michael Shannon fighting in midair and the camera would like punch with us and fly back. And it was amazing. And I understand the ending was very divisive. People were very upset that Superman actually killed somebody. But in that situation, I still argue that he made the right move and he would have made that movie, saved that family by, by, by killing um, General Zod. So I think that there's, that movie was very, very divisive, but I think it's genuinely one of the best superhero films ever made. And I, I think miss that days he, when, like, that was what DC fans complained about, you know? <laughs> like, that was their biggest complaint, was like, well, I don't know if he really should have snapped that guy's neck at the end of the movie. And then ever since then, it's been, like, a downhill slide for huge, big problems for DC how, fans to complain about. how great is that opening with Russell Crowe? I mean, I thought that that was unbelievable. I actually don't like the opening of Man of Steel. Love the opening of Man yeah. of Steel. I, I love that uh, it shot... stuff on Krypton? Yeah, I'm not... It I'm shot not like documentary style. I thought that was so cool that we were flying with Cavill as Superman, like almost documentary style. It was it would totally so be, well done. So if they... If if Macquarie joined, it would definitely be a different, a different direction, but... I don't are know they, are they discussing that, or, or are we just playing... In my head, in my head, they're discussing. There's been like (laughs) interviews where he says he's interested, but I don't think it's like anything real. Yeah, I think I would totally do that. Yeah, 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 that kind of answer. One thing I've I've found interesting recently with Macquarie's Twitter, and I think we can all talk about this for a second. I think The Way of the Gun was a phenomenal film with Ryan Phillippe and Benicio del Toro, but hearing him talk about how he doesn't particularly like the movie is very interesting to me. I remember Fincher saying he didn't like the ending to the game. And these are all films that we all, I think we all know and love. So I, I, do you think it's interesting that filmmakers come out, you know, years later and say that they don't like their movie? I mean, I find that so interesting. Like The Way of the Gun, I know The Way of the Gun derailed him a little bit and it, and it was not a success financially from what I understand. But to, to not like it, I find that fascinating. I don't know. I don't know. I think in every situation, the film that they're working on has to get released and they might not have been a hundred percent happy with it. And it was finished. How many filmmakers walk away from their movie and be like, Oh yeah, that was a hundred percent what I wanted it to be. You know, things happen during production. Things have to get changed. I could see someone, especially early on in his career where Macquarie had to basically just answer to a lot of different people, get the movie released, goes back and revisits it, sees the flaws that he, that he thinks are there and isn't thrilled with it. When we get to Ridley, you know, later on, how many of his movies do you think he looks back on and thinks, oh, I could have done a better job with that one? He is yeah, wildly inconsistent. Yeah, but the way the I, guns but are I, I think movie. he's cocky enough so that he thinks all of his movies are awesome. Oh, maybe. <laughs> he might be. I think we all do that though. Like, how much of your own work do you go back and you're just oh, like, yeah. oh my god? But people probably are all like, no, what are you talking about? That's yeah. amazing. But it's so rare to hear a filmmaker even like diss one of their own films. Like, I think yeah. that's such a rare thing. I appreciate yeah. his honesty. I do too. Yeah, I might disagree with him, but 
I mean, I want to see him go back and rewatch the second Jack Reacher. I know it's not his. I just am curious what he thinks of how it went. Because the yeah. first one's so good, and the second one goes is off it? the cliff. Is the first I one that good? I didn't like Jack Oh, Nature. what? I it it reminds one. me of like a movie that Seagal would have done in the early 90s, and, <laughs> and, not, and not even a good one. It's like one that yeah, we wouldn't and? be talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't like Jack Reacher either. I thought it was, it, 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 Jake and I say this a lot. It reminded me of like what, it's a movie that you would see within a movie. It's like what, it's like somebody, it's like, like what Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's, but it's like what Tom Cruise would do if someone was making fun of what Tom Cruise does in movies. Like, like they would have him in Jack Reacher. Because yeah, the posters were all so generic, world. it was just him, yeah. like, in his, like, you know, standing. I don't know, yeah. It was not all right. Fan. Well, we still can't talk about Fallout just yet. I know we've been teasing Fallout for a couple I of weeks. I've been talking about it. By the time it comes out, I'm not going to want to talk about it anymore. Well, revisit <laughs> it this weekend because we're going to talk in depth I've, I've seen it, it twice already. Next week. I should have gone. I, the other reason I didn't go on Monday is because it wasn't an IMAX. It was like a junkie Oh, I saw it in IMAX, yeah. So I really disappointed in that. So, um, but it opens this weekend. Um, give me your best guess domestically for how you think Fallout will do. The winner gets $100 from Gabe. <laughs> uh i say i say 60 60 like opening yes domestic oh, I say yeah i 60. say 60 yeah all right ash any guess um i was gonna say 60 so i'm gonna go 58 Ooh, nice <laughs> oh you're right that under. person yeah Kevin? you should play well, <laughs> one dollar <laughs> i'm trying to find $1. out what... all right so rogue nation's opening was 55 million so i think it's gonna be in that ballpark i've uh, i saw an article today that hollywood reporter said uh, it'll do 50 plus. So I, I think 60, 60, 62 is probably where it's going to end up. I mean, 55 for Rogue you Nation. Bastards, that, you're all choosing around me. So inevitably, <laughs> all of you, well, you all, unless I land right at 60. I'm going <laughs> 85. No, I'm kidding. That's way too high. Well, I mean, here's it's the two thing. two and a half hours long. It, That's the problem. I wish, but, the, but the reviews are so good. Yeah, people are like going did you see the article today that said the movie after because of his injuries and all all said and done is going to cost about two hundred fifty million dollars to make? Why? Because and they put it on hold for that long? I think so. Look up the article that I, I was scrolling through Twitter today. It said that with the injury and the delay of the production and everything that went into it and the practical stunts and things like that and the, all the halo jumps and you know the helicopter stunts, I think they were saying about two hundred fifty million dollars uh, for the production budget. Wow. That stuff's uh, not cheap. Is, Think about the Halo jumps. Are they doing a hundred of them and you're paying for that? That's that's insane. It's a little bit excessive. At some point in the show today, if if we could, I I know we're not going to get into the like full on like reviews of that movie, but we got to talk about the focus pulling in that scene because I I still don't get it. And I, I remember seeing the movie and watching it and not being blown away by the footage I saw in the film. And now I'm now that I've like researched it a lot more and taught and, and just kind of like learned about the focus pulling aspect of it and how that how that cinematographer jumped out of the plane and kind of had to pull focus without being able to view uh, what was happening in his shot look in the is camera. insane. No, that is look in the nuts. Camera. He had to, to guess me. where yeah. he was going to be. Um, all right, I'm going to say 65. I'm going big. I'm going higher than all, everyone else. Okay, so since we have to give exact numbers based on the bet because Gabe's sending us a hundred dollars for the winner. So uh, all right, Jake, you said <laughs> and a Jake cake. said. Jake said 60, exactly. 60. All right, yep. Ash, yours was 50 what? Eight. I'm actually going to write this down because I know Fif- Gabe's not producing, so I'm going to write right. it down. 58, I'm going to go with 59. 60. Oh, oh <laughs> come on. I don't even yep. want to play anymore. Dude, you guys. And it's all in the exact same realm. I mean, it's it's going to do 55 $1, million or higher. We all know I'm that. Doing, I'm doing 65. All right, okay. so Gabe is going to send a cake and $100. 
and um, a bottle of wine to whoever gets closest. Um, and so, I want a Whole Foods gift card. And a Whole Foods gift card. Why don't we give Gabe the ability to not have to pay out if he ends up getting it exactly right? So, Gabe, I know you're not speaking on the show, right. but give tell us, a, give us numbers. Give us a fingers. number to the decimal think, point. Like yeah. he's got to be like sixty three point two. If if you right? hit it exactly, you don't right. have to pay out. Otherwise, he pays out. Yeah, he's, a he's, Whole Foods gift card, a bottle of wine, a cake, and a hundred dollars. I mean, it's getting to be an expensive bet. Look, look how excited but I think Gabe is. I think that's worth it. Fifty six point seven. Fifty six point seven is Gabe's bet. All right, I'm writing it down. Uh, Gabe, you have to get exact. Why? You're making it more difficult for yourself. <laughs> and, I, and I do want to clarify: this is not based on Sunday estimates. This will be the Monday final number. Just a heads Fair up. Fair enough. That's um, be, yeah. Kevin suggested a very short blend game before we get into Comic Con recap. Um, stunt. Since when have we ever done anything short on this podcast ever? This <laughs> is going to be brief. Um, yeah. The best stunt from the Mission Impossible franchise to date and i'm gonna let our guest go first ash what do you think is in your opinion i know you haven't seen fallout yet no but prior uh, to that the stunt the, that when you watch it you just cannot believe that they let well, tom cruise do it just because i watched the behind the scenes it's the the, the plane one the plane one when he's yeah. holding on to the plane he like legit did one. that yeah uh, could have died yeah. i mean he could have <laughs> died with like everything he does but yeah. That one especially. Yeah, I know. That, like the the wind in his face, like like did something to his eyes because you you shouldn't expose your your eyes to that well, those speeds. What, what they did for that, which is absolutely mind blowing, and I remember talking to uh, interviewing Tom Cruise about that thing because I remember he had to wear special contacts because in the was. in the shot they want Macquarie wants Tom Cruise's eyes open as we, as we were looking at him taking off in this plane. <laughs> so why don't we, those, I know it's, I mean, it's so obnoxious and crazy. <laughs> it's insane. So, so they basically put these special contacts in his eyes so that he could keep them open without them watering and or damaging. But the craziest thing about that stunt, in my opinion, is the guy that was next to him inside the plane that had a hole that was that his job was to punch Tom Cruise <laughs> if a bird was coming in his direction that could decapitate him. Oh my so that, god! I'm not kidding you. There was a guy. I mean, if you uh, there was li- he's literally to the right of Tom Cruise. There's a hole, I guess, or some type of opening, and I guess someone at the front of the plane would somehow communicate back and say there is a bird coming. Tap Tom Cruise so that he can. Duck out of the way. Yeah, say, what the... would Cruz do if a bird were coming? I well, got... like, remember when that goose broke Fabio's nose on that ride? Yeah. <laughs> you know what ride that was, <laughs> Ash? That was exactly a pop culture reference today. That was Apollo's chariot at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, where I, where I actually am from. And also, I remember that story. Why is, very... why is this the second time I've talked about this in like a week? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good Ash call. shows a good one. That, that's... God, that stunt is just insane. But yeah, there's so much detail that goes in. I mean, I think he did it like over a dozen times or something. It was crazy. <laughs> Jake, what's your choice? Uh, the Burj Khalifa and in, uh, in, uh, Ghost Protocol. I don't That's... know if I remember that one. What happens in that one? He's hanging <laughs> on a building, for God's sake. <laughs> the tallest building in the world? Yeah, yeah. Tallest building in the world. And uh, and I don't know, what is, what is that, the, the line where... They shit something like they're like you're you're gonna fall or you're gonna die or something like it's not going according to plan and he turns around and goes no shit which is like just seemed like like Ethan Hunt doesn't swear very often 
So I feel like when he does, it just shows like this very real like that, that, and that's how I like. That's why I like how this series treats Ethan Hunt. Is that he's not this invincible Superman. Like he is very much a almost more of a rag doll in this series. I mean, they they beat him to hell, and and right. uh, that's I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of of that stunt. The I, I chose that stunt also the Burj Khalif, um, because for a couple of different reasons. One in that one, Simon Pegg, the way that Benji plays that is always just like, well, he, of course you're going to do this. Like yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that this is what you're going to do. Um, I love that there's the one shot, like right around the time when you start to think like, he's not really doing this. Like this is a stage, soundstage someplace or some sort of stunt double. They have that amazing pullback shot where they zo- they start zoom on him and then yeah. it just was so wide to show you the, the length of the building. And I love that Brad Bird has the balls to be like, not only was that whole thing so exciting, but when it gets back to the end and he jumps, I'm still going to throw one last, you know, he misses the window and, yeah. and falls and has to get really caught real. by his feet. It's just, it's the best. It's a tremendous uh, directed sequence, and that's my pick for... But that, that's my, sense. not that I have an issue with Ghost Protocol, but that's why I like Fallout better than Ghost Protocol, because once that happens in Ghost Protocol, nothing else matches it. So it peaks halfway through, and to me, like, just everything that follows that is just not as good. Kevin, your choice, I, I think I can guess your choice. Can I guess yours before oh, yeah, you give I went, up? Oh, I, I thought he picked first. I went with the same one. Oh, you did? Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to piss the uh, the bridge. I thought you were doing the MI3 bridge. The, you know what's funny about the bridge? And I, um, Tom Cruise was just in D.C. on Sunday for the premiere of Fallout. And right at the beginning of my question, I was kind of, I just kind of briefly said my favorite stunt of yours. My, one of my favorite stunts of yours is the is the bridge sequence in Mission Impossible 3 when Abrams catapults you against the, the, uh, the car. He said... We planned that on Friday, and we, and we shot it on Monday. I, I thought wow. that was insane. But Wait, my favorite... did you ask him if it's a Chesapeake Bay bridge leading no, into Delaware, by the way? I didn't way? have time. I it's didn't supposed have time. to be the I, che- I love that bridge. Yeah, it's great. It's so cinematic, too. Like, wouldn't you want to plan a stunt on that bridge? Yeah. I, I love 3, man. I think 3 is underrated. 3, I, I had a great conversation with Michelle Monaghan about um, the scene with when in the beginning when Philip Seymour Hoffman shoots her. Uh, yeah. And it's just a very intense scene. But yeah, my favorite stunt, I think the best stunt of the whole series is the Burj Khalif, no question. And I think the reason why, uh, there's a lot of reasons why, but the reasons why for that were from the filmmaking side, but also Tom Cruise's side. Brad Bird shot that with full full 65mm IMAX, the same cameras Nolan used for Dark Knight and Dunkirk and things like that. So when you got outside with Tom Cruise in that moment as he walks out and and the aspect ratio of the screen, you know, of, of the image changed to that full massive IMAX shot. Mm. Uh, and I, I remember seeing that, uh, I think it was Lincoln Square or somewhere, uh, Dude, somewhere. you and I go back and see it again in New York? I think so. And that's an eight-story IMAX screen. Um, and that was honestly the first time I think I fully appreciated exactly what Tom Cruise was bringing to the, to, to the movie game. I mean, it was genius. Never seen anything like it. Full-on, just incredible thrills. But I do... I do want to say this, and interestingly enough, and I mentioned this earlier, the Halo jump sequence in Fallout, I think the behind-the-scenes stories and footage is more thrilling than what we actually see in the film. And I say that because the film, you know, there's a lot going on. They add some digital effects in regards to the big storm that's happening there. I won't give too much away. But what Christopher McQuarrie pulled off with the Halo jump scene is truly... A miracle, and I, and I actually don't fully understand how it worked. But if you watch the movie when you see Mission Impossible Fallout, you will actually see the scene going in and out of focus. And Macquarie kept that in because it looked almost like a documentary, 
Like they were genuinely filming a guy named Ethan Hunt just jumping out of an airplane trying to, you know, complete this mission. And the whole concept of having two focus pullers, and I'll, I'll keep this brief, but there was a gentleman in the plane. We're losing was, him, Jake. I know. <laughs> no, go, 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 right. go. There was a guy in the plane pulling focus, right? Okay. He then had to switch it off and then give the guy who jumped with Tom Cruise the ability to pull focus from that point forward. So the guy jumps out of the plane backwards. Tom backwards. Cruise has... Ha- backwards. That's Tom Cruise not only jumps out with him <laughs> as Tom Cruise after he reconnects his oxygen, but he also has to catch up to the cameraman with within three feet. And if he is a couple of inches off, the entire shot is blown, meaning that he will be completely out of focus. So they're falling at over 165, 70 miles per hour. He has to catch up to this guy while also still in character, completing the, the scene itself but also catching up so that the shot is not blown and then falling. I mean, I don't get that. And the guy who's filming him has zero viewfinder. He can't see what he's filming. And so that's why Cruz is, is really kind of another camera there because if he doesn't get in the right position, that shot is completely screwed up. So Cruz almost plays a cinematographer in that moment, which is insane to me. So that one I think is definitely up there, but Burj Khalif, no question hands down the best one all right everyone's gonna go see fallout this weekend we will have some time to discuss it <laughs> next Sorry, weekend I had play, to pay that. very close attention to the halo jump although it gets eclipsed by the bathroom fight which takes place shortly after it and uh which then it gets eclipsed by the arctic triumph going against okay traffic, which, which then gets get... eclipsed by uh the helicopter chase no 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 chess. the arctic triumph scene is probably the most nervous i've ever felt watching tom cruise do a stunt because it's okay. full on oncoming traffic i don't next get week. that Next week, because we have Ash with us to talk San Diego Comic Con, which the two of us immersed ourselves oh, you, in. Oh, for the did past the two of you have days. a wonderful time? Well, oh, but so part of me wants to find out That's from so you great. guys what it's like to uh, to track Comic Con as it's happening and you're not there. Oh, it's like, wonderful, Sean. It's, it's wonderful to watch all of your friends having a glorious time and seeing stuff before they get to see you and hang out with movie stars. That's great. Ash, well, I, what, yeah, what is your setup like at Comic-Con? What do you do for the most part while you're there? Well, there's so many about, like, there's so many components to it. And I always tell people, because people are like, did you see all these trailers in Hall H? Did you see everything that was going on? I'm like, I didn't set foot in Hall H. Like, there's so much going on. So we have our, you know, most outlets have an interview suite or somewhere where all the cast will come through and do interviews. Plus, there's carpets backstage on Hall H. Plus, anything going on on the floor that you want to cover plus Hall H, plus Ballroom 20, plus all of the other panels happening. So you really have to bring like a big team there and divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And what I was doing most of the time was interviews out of our interview suite and stuff on the carpet and stuff on the floor. So I didn't even set foot in Hall H. But it is funny because people like, I didn't even catch up on all the trailers until I was back from Comic-Con. Oh, interesting. Like people that are home watching Comic-Con and following along on on their computers usually have a way better grasp of what's happening at Comic-Con than the people that are actually there. Totally agree. Yeah, no, I totally (laughs) agree because you may know that a panel is happening, but you can't pay any attention to it because you're hosting someone from a TV show or um, some such comic book that's coming through or because the talent is in Hall H at their own panel, you have talent from a different panel coming through. Yeah, and unless unless it's like a Star Wars trailer that just dropped, I don't want to watch it on my phone. Like, I want to get in front of my laptop, put my headphones on and like immerse myself in it. What do you guys think? Um, now that we've caught up on everything was the coolest bit of footage that came out of the weekend. Uh, for me, it was the Shazam trailer. Like 
I think I think Warner Brothers like like the glass one was cool and like a lot of these trailers were really cool, but I expect those movies to be really good, so I'm not as like immersed in the trailer part, but Warner Brothers, like, you never know, you know, it could go either way. So Shazam was the one where I was like very pleasantly surprised by that trailer. Aquaman, surprisingly, I had the opposite effect. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Aquaman gave me a Green Lantern vibe, which is never good. Um, For me, it's just, it's glass. Uh, Just, just, I mean, I've always been sort of a Shyamalan apologizer and, uh, and he's had, he's had a rough few years. So it's nice to sort of see him. I mean, five years ago, could you imagine that that Shyamalan would be at Comic Con with everyone sort of going nuts over a new trailer he put out? Like that's that's yeah. astounding to me. So the fact that he's bounced back, I'm looking forward to seeing the ending to a story that I didn't even know existed up until about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I just just the way he shot it, and it just I, I'm sort of curious as to how the whole thing's going to work. Sean, I know you saw some stuff at CinemaCon. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued about the fact that they're all like in this mental asylum. I think that's a brilliant way to sort of bring them all together. So I'm super I, super into that. I'm but also Godzilla. You. I'm a hundred percent on. Oh, I want to go back to Godzilla. Um, yeah. I'm a hundred percent on board with Glass also because I think the cast looks amazing. Anytime that we get to spend more time with McAvoy's character from Split, I mean, yeah. the fact that he jumps back and forth through all those different yeah. personalities. I, I think is he fantastic. deserved an Oscar nomination for Split. I thought he um, was. I'm not going to argue with you on that. He's great. <laughs> But then someone like you know you know like when you're super excited for something and then somebody throws out one quick line and deflates your enthusiasm they're like wait hold on Sarah Paulson is what she's a psychiatrist who specializes in delusions of grandeur for people who think they're superheroes and I was like shut up just go with it yes that's what she yeah, does yeah, and it works and like, leave us alone like you have a you have a guy who is like amazingly strong a guy who like can can turn himself into a physical beast but the part of the plot that bothers you is that she's a psychiatrist <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, Who specializes in that weird thing? So, Kevin, what about you? What'd you see that blew your mind? Glass for sure. Um, And I do want to say this: uh, my split experience wasn't uh, as mind blowing for a lot of people that that it was for them because I hadn't rewatched Unbreakable in a long time. I mean, I saw Unbreakable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and when I saw Unbreakable for the first time, I absolutely loved it, but. It had been so many years, so when that reveal happened at the end, when you actually walk into that diner and you see Bruce Willis's character, it didn't hit me. And I think that that was a moment where I, I wanted to feel the excitement that everybody else felt. So when I went back and revisited Unbreakable after Split, it was truly a connective experience in regards to my excitement level being brought in and heightened up for what M. Night Shyamalan could possibly do with this universe this world um and that trailer from or for for glass is unreal and ash uh, i'm happy to hear someone else say that because i i was not i i just i walked out i'm like that was cool okay that was the unbreakable tie-in but i didn't feel it like i wanted to and then, and then it was the rewatch of unbreakable which by the way the opening on unbreakable on that train as the camera's panning back and forth with the with the chairs is just it's unbelievable and that movie i think got a little bit of a backseat element because the sixth sense was so damn good that when that film hit, it was, it was this question of whether or not can it be as good or, you know, is it as good? And I think that unbreakable was kind of heavily criticized based on the success and the great, the great element of what sixth sense was. So yeah, the glass footage is unbelievable. The opening with Sarah Paulson was fantastic. I love seeing all three of them sit there. I still think the most horrifying shot in that trailer 
is watching McAvoy's character run on all fours. <laughs> like, as he's leaping through that park or whatever it is, that scares me so much, just watching that guy do that. I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you, Jake. I think he deserves an Academy Award nomination for that. It's a phenomenal performance. So, yeah, the glass footage. I did not care for the Shazam footage. And I, and I, and I, and I, I, I know. It looks It looks like big. Exactly. I, I, I don't think that... I, I think that that was the trailer that I found to be very overrated. I, I was... Because Aquaman, we all... I think we all know it looks awful. That trailer is terrible. And I hate Dude, saying I, I feel that. like this time three I weeks really... ago, I was the one trashing Aquaman and you guys were like, no, it's going to be good. It's James Wan. I, it's gonna I be love James Wan. I do love James Wan. I have uh, a lot of hope for that trailer. But this is your first splashy date... Oh, no pun intended. This you're debuting this trailer for the first time in front of this huge audience, and that's what you came up with. I was a little. I was so hyped for that movie, and then like like especially last year they were even teasing it last year, and they showed that like little teaser, and it was so bright and colorful, and I was like, yes, it's gonna be all bright and lovely like Wonder Woman. And then I saw it, and I was like, just like the wig on Amber Heard, and like so they just I don't know, I was yeah. just not into it's it. It's honestly yeah. very bland. It genuinely is. I, I, I think I think that the. Listen, I, I love James Wan, and I, I love what he's given us through film. I, I think the Conjuring films are shot incredibly well, and I think the, you know, the, the Saw franchise, whatever it became, it still started very strong in regards to what he did for horror movies. And then The Furious 7 was amazing. I'm excited to see it only because I think that James Wan will somehow turn it around and make it a but better dude, film than the But dude, every trailer. line of dialogue out of Momoa's mouth... In that trailer is horrendous. But remember this. Remember this for one second. The Suicide Squad trailer was a five out of five. It was a perfect, <laughs> perfect trailer. And that movie was bad. So That's uh, fine. No, I agree. I and that's why I, I even, as much as I love the Shazam footage, I'm worried that that might go in the other direction. But I'll say, I came back from Comic-Con. I pulled up a lot of the trailers and showed them to my boys because they didn't really pay a ton of attention to Comic-Con while we were gone, and the only one that really resonated with them was Shazam. The minute that Zachary Levy does that floss dance, they clapped and cheered, and they were like, 100%, we're on board with this. This looks great. And then I showed I'm them sorry, Aquaman. I'm sorry, Sean, I'm not familiar with what dance you're working. You well, show it's me like a what? floss. <laughs> it's like your hands go this way and then back that way, and I can't do it, but my kids can do it really, really well. You're doing and it pretty well. I'm pretty impressed. I did it okay. Pretty good. Now, I like the, the Kendrick Lamar song that's playing there, too, which is Oh, good. yeah, that was really good also. Yeah. Humble. But I, um, I, listen, the Shazam trailer, I... I don't know. I, I listen. I understand everyone's excitement for it. I think it looks okay. I just think I, I think every line felt like it was DC trying to be Marvel, like finding that that like fi- it, it felt like to me. Because I feel like the opposite. I feel like it's it's a very easy, easily digestible, like just a fine. Like it also, I feel like there are really no massive expectations it has to live up to. All it has to do is be fun. I'm sure it'll be fun. I just think that the big element of it is very obvious, and I, I have no problem with them paying homage to that movie. I just didn't find a lot of the humor to grab me. But I also remember you, we we also disagree on Thor Ragnarok a lot. So humor is humor is an like interesting happiness. thing. But also, like, hasn't like Shazam been around long? I mean, it's been around longer than Big, right? So are they really paying tribute to Big, or is true? I mean, like, you can't really knock. That, that's like like knocking. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I can't come up with anything, but like, but yeah, but I think Shazam's been. Around. I could be wrong. Someone, someone on Facebook, let me know whether I'm wrong. I usually can. Can somebody please explain the Captain Marvel connections? I don't get that to Shazam. Do you anybody know about this? Named Captain Marvel, right? Like in the, yeah, I think that's it's what like I comics, named Captain Shazam. Marvel. Yeah, but they can't yeah. name him Captain Marvel in the movie because of obvious reasons. But but are yeah. they different characters? I'm confused because Captain Marvel is yeah. a woman in the Marvel. 
But I, how did they get away with that in, in the comics for years? Like, how did DC have a character called Captain Marvel, and then so did Marvel? How, how did that work? That I do. That not part know. I don't. I don't know the yeah. answer to. That's okay. nerd stuff. That's just for, curious. Someone will let us know. Jake, what'd you love about Godzilla? Because that that trailer blew me away. Ah, uh, I just all the collect. Here's what I'll say: it, it was both incredibly exciting, sort of seeing every one. I have a, a bro crush on Kyle Chandler, so anything that he's in, I am. I clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Um, not what I would have guessed. I'll, when you said I, bro I'm crush, a, I was going in any other direction, but Kyle Chandler. I'm a big but. Kyle Chandler fan. Um, but also just seeing all the collection of, of the monsters together. Uh, I, it's also a little bit of a tease because I am so ready for Godzilla versus King Kong. So it's a little bit like, let's hurry up and get through this one so we can get to Godzilla versus King Kong. That being said, seeing Mothra, seeing like everyone sort of back like in one big giant movie together. I feel like our generation hasn't gotten that in a massive big budget form. So it'll be uh, really cool to see. My biggest complaint about the 2014 Godzilla is that unlike sort of something like Jaws or Alien, where it doesn't show the monster, I'm, I'm fine with not showing the monster that much, but the humans have to be interesting enough to sustain the, 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 the moments where the monster's not in it. And once they killed off Cranston in the yeah. 2014 Godzilla, I lost all interest. I did not care about yeah. Ian Taylor Johnson. Um, I, I just checked out, and that's why I just found the, the 2014 Godzilla to be so boring. Not because they didn't show the monster, but because the humans they showed weren't interesting. Um, so I hope that they learned their lesson from that. Completely agree with you on the Cranston thing. I was so shocked by that, and it just felt like they were writing him out because of a scheduling thing. Like he, there was no way that that they just wrote him out like that. I mean, this is a huge, huge character, a huge thing for him to be involved in after Breaking Bad, and it was very weird. So I'm with you, Jake. I don't think the Godzilla trailer. Nothing really about that trailer excited me either. I, I, Lauren and I were watching it together, and the first thing we said to ourselves was another Godzilla movie. And that's another, I mean, listen, it looks cool. The shots look cool. Uh, I actually liked Kong Skull Island a lot. I think oh, dude, that, so did I. I was with you. Uh, I, I did. It was like Apocalypse Now, but with King Kong. Very impressive. I mean, the Vietnam. Uh, what what war was uh, was, it was um, Vietnam? Was Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was it, it, that movie was cool. I, I love the beginning. I love the sky. The, it was it was cool. I just don't find that that trailer did anything for me. I'll see it, of course. But like I said, the weird thing about Comic Con this year is the best thing that came out of it, in my opinion, was the glass trailer, which is a little bit while it is superhero esque, it's different. But Sean and Ash, I'm wondering where was Venom? Where was the presence of Venom at Comic? It was had, there. They, they just didn't post the footage. Yeah, they had a panel, like a full panel for Venom, and and then they didn't. There was no new trailer, right? Like did, I looked did up. You, and did you work that? Gone. Well, I think it's coming uh, out this week footage. at some point. Well, I did the I did the carpet backstage, and it was such a bummer because Tom Hardy didn't do the carpet. Why would um, he do carpet? Yeah, so I'm like sitting there waiting for him, and they're like, "He's not coming." There's a, he has a scheduling conflict. He has to go straight to the panel. Um, but that was like a huge bummer because I was like, "Okay, this is like when I'm supposed to get excited about the movie." And I talked to the director and I talked to Riz Ahmed, but that was it from that movie. See, I did that carpet. I didn't even get Riz Ahmed. He skipped right over me. Oh, really? Yeah. So I got the does director. He, does he know you're close personal friends with Tom Cruise? The only thing I asked the director, because I was like, I don't, I'm not even sold on this movie. And I was just like, how do you feel about the entire internet being sexually attracted to Venom? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. What was his answer? He was like, you know, I did see that. Uh, Did not expect that to be the reaction. But uh, the internet's a weird place. And I went really deep into it. And uh, I don't recommend that anyone else do that. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Ash, what what carpets did you do besides Venom? I'm curious. Uh, Well, Venom was with Into the Spider-Verse and then Bumblebee. Um, so those, those are the only carpets that I did. I think the only other one that they even had was, um, WB and somebody else did that. And then, um, I did interviews with like Kevin Smith and the super troopers guys and 
How is Kevin Smith? Because I, 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 mean, I grew up on him, and like, and I know Jake and I and Sean were all obsessed with him. I, I think that uh, we all have our own Kevin Smith stories, but um, I love that he's doing stuff now, kind of like interview wise with like IMDb and things like that. Um, what, what was, what did you specifically interview him for? What, what was it about? Um, it was about his show Hollyweed, but then I had a bunch of questions for him because like Clerks is in like my top five movies yes. of all time. I love it so much, and. Um, I know he's, like, the biggest Degrassi fan, and Degrassi was, like, my favorite show ever. So I was yeah. just, like, kind of my, my like, the way to get into it, I was just like, so when's the Degrassi panel? And he was like, oh, my God, I love Degrassi. And then I just <laughs> talked to him about Degrassi for, like, five full minutes, which is, you know, when you're doing interviews, uh, most of the chunk of the interview. I mean, entertainment tonight goes, what are we going to do with all of this? They were footage? probably like, oh, my God, whatever. We Did you it. go to the boat? Did you go to the IMDb? I, I went to the boat, yeah. Oh, okay. Really? I thought maybe he came to you because he doesn't go to anybody at Comic-Con. He just no, sits on the boat. I had to go to him. And we, we, I, we had, like, set up all these chairs and stuff, and he goes up and throws one of the chairs. He's like, we're standing. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. I had, I had that similar experience when I interviewed him here in Chicago where he set up this whole set and everything, and yeah. set up, we lit it and everything, and all of a sudden he walks in, and he's like, yeah, I'm not sitting down. I'm standing. So we had yeah. like a really good like pull all of our lights back together. Yeah, for 30, but he'd rather stand for 30 minutes than sit for five. Yeah. We, and and I'm not even trying to make him sound like he was a jerk or anything. He was like oh, the no. sweetest, coolest, like most personable person I've like ever. Um, but it was just funny. He walked in, he's like, Nope, not doing that. <laughs> we talk a lot about like like fandom and like and like things we want to see in storylines. Like we we discuss Star Wars a lot on the show and you know what, you know, like essentially rogue. Rogue One was basically, you know, it was a fa- it was fan fiction. It was amazing. So I was thinking if I could ever see anything fan-wise that extended out from the original films, it would be the Jay and Silent Bob Google Hunting 2 hunting season bit into a full-length movie. That, that would be like, <laughs> my dream. If I could see Affleck and Damon come back and actually shoot Google Hunting 2 hunting season, and if every okay, joke okay. if every Wait, joke is applesauce... Do you actually want yes. to see that? Okay, you're, into, you're talking 100%. about like, one, of, one of the great dramas of the 90s yes. being turned into a joke. <laughs> Dude, first of all, I will watch Gus Van Sant count money I mean, while... I get that you like that scene, and I, and I get that it's funny, but I feel like it's deep so down, you, you're not understanding what you're saying when you say that you want to see that movie. Every every time, every time I walk into Matt Damon's room for an interview, I say, I don't know, Will, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. He just, I'm like, sure he loves that. And this is oh, why dude. Matt Damon is not doing junk. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. Ash, who was your favorite interview while you were there? Um, it had to, well, okay, this is like a deep cut, but I'm like, I love Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And yeah. so I got to go on the last day, like just impromptu, go interview like, three of the original Power Rangers, and that was really fun. And then, uh, aside from that, Kevin Smith was the best. Like, I never got to meet him before, and I feel like everyone else has, and I was so excited. Ooh, I didn't think I was going to say this during the podcast, but I have a Power Rangers question. Yeah. Okay, so Billy, the actor that played Billy, didn't he come out and say that uh, he felt harassed on set for being gay? And I'm curious if, do they, do? does he still associate with any of the original cast members? Because I know, sort of, I, I think I saw your picture with the guy that played Zach? Yeah. Um, so, do, they, do they talk at all? Or what is their relationship now? So all the original cast, um, they're best friends. They're all okay. like, they all have a good relationship. But what happened was um, when they were doing the original show, three of the original ones, the the yellow, black, and red ranger, they were getting paid like $2 an hour. I'm, I'm exaggerating this story yeah. a little bit, but they, they were getting paid not enough. So they left the show like halfway through like in the first season that you can clearly see they were written off and then like like doubles were used in stock footage. And then uh, the guy that played Billy ended up leaving because he was getting harassed on set after he came out. Um, 
but that was like all with like Saban Entertainment. Gotcha. So I think like they're not really associated with that branding anymore. So they yeah. they all have a good relationship with each other. It's but amazing, I like because I I was obsessed with that as a kid. You never know as a kid that all this stuff's going on behind the scenes. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. I like, and he like I've like openly talked to him about all of that. It's it's really interesting. I liked the new Power Rangers movie that came out a couple years ago. I thought that was really well done. I don't know why, but I liked it. I thought it was fun. But, I liked uh, like I liked like the ending of it. Like when once they like went full on Zords and like yeah. embraced the roots of it, but they were trying too hard to be like gritty and real. And I was like, yeah, just be cheesy. Just go yeah. for it. Um, it did was you like get Keegan Michael Drink's Chronicle? Did you get Keegan Michael yeah. Key with the Predator cast? I didn't. Uh, did I think Kevin Frazier did that. Oh, they came through our suite, and he is just the greatest interview of all time. Like, you could just throw anything at him, and he takes it and runs with it, and it was delightful. I interviewed him for Keanu, and he was amazing. Yeah. As opposed to going over to Cinema Blend's feed, and I'm going to put this onto the Real Blend feed, too. And, Ash, tell me if this happened to you. On Saturday, we had the cast of Big Hero 6, the animated (laughs) cast. And I was having to do yet another introduction to yet another interview coming through. And my exhaustion finally showed. And uh-huh. I gave a, uh, we are still here covering Comic-Con. And I didn't mean it that way at all, but it's just how it came out. And they, they picked up on it and totally just It's not just the fact that you laughing. said the word still. It's the like how you said, because if you'd be like, hey guys, we're still here. But the fact that you just no. sounded so defeated, you're just like, I did. we are still here covering Comic-Con. I mean, just the, the way you said it was amazing. I did a couple like where I would like, I, I like wouldn't, I couldn't grasp what day it was at comic-con so i would like talk to people and be like it's day two no it isn't it's like i didn't know what day it was especially because our days end on the saturday and comic-con goes till sunday that it's like just so confusing what day it is but i did do a couple where i was like it feels like day 19 here at (laughs) comic-con um let me ask i want to ask ash a question and you guys can definitely weigh in on this but this year was characterized by the absence of marvel uh being in hall h and Mm -hmm. you know i think dc sort of filled the void um a bit but it makes me wonder if uh marvel and disney and by that i mean star wars might not just they just won't go back to Comic-Con anymore. Do you think we're in a scenario now where because of Celebration and maybe Marvel doing their own thing, potentially, that they just don't go back to Comic-Con anymore? I think they want to put all their weight into D23 and Star Wars Celebration, uh, specifically D23, but I don't think they'll never not go back to Comic-Con. I think it was just like a downswing year because they couldn't talk about Avengers and Star Wars. They don't have anything to talk about. I mean, except the Clone Wars, but... Um, I think, I mean, we saw them do D23 followed by Comic-Con before, last year, right? Was that Mm -hmm. last year? Um, where they pretty much did like a very similar panel, but I don't Mm -hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. Like, especially for the fan part of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a question. I I was sort of wondering to your point about how, you know, Disney sort of doing their own thing. Uh, Marvel's doing their own thing. And in theory, Lucasfilm could start doing their, you know, if they start announcing stuff at Celebration, uh, rather than Comic-Con. Could Comic-Con sort of be the equivalent of like a Netflix where like for, for so many years everything was on Netflix and then individually one by one studios realized, well, if we do our own thing, then we can sort of control it and, and disperse information that we want to have it dispersed and not be rushed into releasing information if we're not ready to release it. Like, could we start seeing just things pulling out? And I'm not, I don't like trying to like, you know, stand on a soapbox and with a sign that says the end is near, but like, are we heading into a trajectory that spells out the end of Comic-Con if studios are just going to start releasing things on their own time and their own events? 
Yeah, I think that that could eventually happen um, because from everything you hear behind the scenes, and this is inside baseball, is that just Comic-Con as an organization is a little bit difficult to deal with because they have the upper hand and a lot of the studios just sort of feel like, why do we go through the the rigmarole of bringing all of this footage? They, now, the studios will turn around and say, look, it's for the fans. You know, it's not, we're not trying to break news and we're not trying to do this for, and there isn't a lot of breaking news coming out of it. We do see some first look trailers, but a lot of those things hit online right after. So they do want to sort of reward the fans that go there to do it. Um, but I've also heard on the flip side, if we go all the way to Comic-Con and we work hard to bring talent and we have a, a panel where the footage doesn't play, uh, for whatever reason, then we just shot ourselves in the foot and it was a really expensive mistake, you know? So I, I don't know. I like, I, I think Ash is right. I don't think, I don't think Comic-Con is ever going to really stop having that stuff, but I just know Feige, Kevin Feige, Marvel president, Kevin Feige said to us years ago, there will never be a time where Marvel's not there. Because we still just like doing a panel for the fans. And this was the first year that they didn't go. And I was like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is starting to lean that direction. So I don't know. I, I also just see it. I mean, more and more, it feels like every year it's more and more TV and less and less studios attending. So yeah, you do have to wonder if that's eventually just going to completely take over. Yeah, very true. Because it's always like Fear the Walking Dead and things like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things. And CinemaCon this year felt bigger than ever. Like that felt like the place that all the pre- like the media needs to be at, you know? So Sean and Ash, you guys were there. There was a huge um, viral tweet that went out, like I guess right before Comic Con, where a gentleman built uh, the the Spider Man costume from uh, from uh, Avengers: Infinity War. It actually yeah, had, it physically that was like, cool. That was it really was cool. Awesome. Did you, did you guys ever see that person? One or two? What was the most insane costume you guys saw when you were there? I did see that guy. I was like walking really? back and forth from my hotel, and he happened to be walking by, and I was like, "Oh my god, sick costume." Um, but I also find, like, at Comic-Con, it's, like, the middle of July, and it's so freaking hot that so many people, like, bail on their cosplay by, like, the <laughs> second day. <laughs> people are like, oh, absolutely not. What was the Mark uh, Hamill story? Like, someone said that he dressed up, but he didn't do it. What was that story? Oh, I have this story because I actually know the guy that was d- dressed up as Darth Trump. What this, happened? Nah. This guy that I used to do improv with had texted me and was like, hey, I'll be around the floor dressed as Darth Darth Trump and I was like oh okay (laughs) and then I see the next day that a bunch of people are writing up these articles saying that they met Mark Hamill and I texted him and I was like what is the deal with this and he was like Mark Hamill said that he was on the floor and somebody asked me if I was Mark Hamill and I said Mark who and people just ran with it and then Mark I guess at some point took credit for it on Twitter to I don't know throw off the scent of who he was actually dressed as if he was even there and a bunch of outlets like wrote it up as fact, and oh, okay, yeah. He he, <laughs> he he then he then had to clear it up and say it wasn't me. Yeah, eventually he eventually was like, "Got you guys so good." And everyone's like, "What?" He definitely played been... along with it for a while. Like, why of, is like, this a because really it was an ongoing bit? Myself? Like he kept he kept like retweet like people would be like, "Oh, it's like saw Mark Hamill here," and he'd read to be like, "Oh, you caught me." So I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. It, it was just one of many <laughs> he was going along with, but but that's the one that that Wait. stuck. Do you think he was actually there though? As someone, I, I've seen like famous stories of like famous actors. Ha- like we've seen a Cranston, before, like, like yeah, somebody walks around in a costume and it. John ends up, Cena did it this year. Right? What did he do? Who was his costume? He dressed up as Bumblebee. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> funny. Yeah, that's cool. I love that kind of stuff. I shook hands with John Cena on that press carpet, and his hands are like catcher's mitts. It's like <laughs> intimidating. <laughs> He's a gigantic dude. He's, a gigantic He's also incredibly dude. nice. Oh my god! So. The girl from E with an exclamation point, not E.T., uh, was not next E.T. to us. Not you guys, Ash. And she had two questions. Had two questions. Just two questions. Every, and then John can come down the line. Two questions. Everybody, two questions. She asked about seven. 
She just kept talking and just kept yeah. talking to the point where the publicist gave me a look like she was talking to John Cena. And the publicist gave me a look like, can you believe this girl? And I was like, how about you tap her arm? Or <laughs> yeah. hit her shoulder, do something, get her to stop talking. And so Entertainment Tonight ended. would never do that. Never, <laughs> that's, ever. That's the game, though. They're always like one question, and yeah. you're like, no. Yeah. So Cena comes over to me. And then you just see what you can get away with. He comes over after, and he goes, I really apologize for that. And I was like, no problem, John Cena. I'll wait for, <laughs> for you to come over. And he was just so nice. He was so incredibly nice about it. So um, Comic-Con coverage will continue to roll out. We'll keep talking about these things as they drop, especially as we get closer to such things as Glass and Aquaman and and Halloween. And Kevin has a question. Just one more thing about Shazam. Uh, I, I want to make, make it clear. I think the trailer looks okay. I, I just yeah. think that I, 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 I'm interested in you it. I just hate think Shazam. No, I just didn't think it was as mind blowing as everyone said it was. That's all. Why do you hate happiness? That's all. <laughs> I think it looks cool, but I mean, I, I just wasn't. Glass was the one that kind of floored me a little bit. That was the one that really kind. Of, but nothing this year outside of Glass really shook me like that. Mm-hmm. I, that I wanted. I don't know how. I don't know what the vibe was at Comic Con for you guys. I know Shazam kind of became a huge deal, and I know Ash, you said you didn't watch until you got back. But, but other than that, I just it, was it that much of an exciting year in regards to just. It felt like pretty low key this year. It felt. I felt like this was the most low key year that I've ever attended. Yeah, and I felt that just through Twitter. I mean, I felt I felt that at home as well. So I thought that was it was interesting. But I I think that once Marvel kind of gets back into the game, uh, you know, having that entire Avengers cast there, you know, there's there's nothing better than that energy of having all those guys there and all the you know the amazing cast there. So we'll see. This year, am I the only one excited for Christopher Robin? I keep seeing trailers off (laughs) out of this. Dude, I am not emotionally ready for this movie. I'm excited. I just feel like it's all those movies that we always get, like um, Saving Mr. Banks and stuff, where I'm like, I'm excited about it, and then I watch it, and I'm like, huh, all right, I saw that. Yeah. It looks cute. <laughs> it looks cute. Sean, I what was... What sort of childhood did you people have? What is wrong with you? How are you not emotionally destroyed? Sometimes Sean... your past catches up with you, and his past is Winnie the Pooh. I know. Sean, yeah. you know this. Um, Damn it, Sean. You work for a site. I, I don't know... Uh, if this is true or not, I read this online the other day. That yes. is there is there a first man prologue this weekend before Mission Impossible? Am I, I did I, I miss did I misread that? Because you, that's, I heard that from you. That's the first I've heard that from someone. Uh, it came across my Twitter feed that there's going to be some because we all know that Christopher Nolan's famous for his prologues. I mean those the the Dark Knight, all those prologues. I mean those 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 are like big event moments, like having like the prologue released for Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight and whatever it was. That's how I they determined the, that Hardy's voice couldn't be heard in a theater. I know. And he had but to go I back heard, and remix it. I heard there's a four-minute prologue somehow happening before Mission Impossible this weekend, which is strange Gabe, to me for, you? Two, for Gabe, two reasons. One, please Universal, Universal Pictures did First Man and Mission Impossible's Paramount, so why would they pair those two? Maybe they – I don't know. But I, I think it's – ordered Gabe to do something. But remember, Mission Impossible is in IMAX, and First Man was shot with 70 millimeter IMAX cameras for some of the scenes, so it makes sense. And the movie could use a good bump right now. I think maybe the movie yeah. doesn't open until October, I, th- I believe. Um, and it's going but it's, to all it's the gonna... film festivals. They just yeah. got revealed that week, so um, we are going to shift into this week's game. And if Gabe gets me, he's got nothing. I've got nothing. Gabe says okay. he actually admits you might have just made this up. I hope you no. will it to happen though. I read I it. Want, I would go back and watch Mission in IMAX to see the first. First, yeah. first man footage. I um, do want to see Mission in, uh, in IMAX again on a bigger screen. It's awesome screen. in IMAX. But I've seen it in IMAX, but just for people out there, who, just to clarify something, this is not Nolan's IMAX. Brad Bird uh, did IMAX for real with, um, with, with Ghost Protocol. This is digital IMAX cameras. Now, granted, you have to give Macquarie credit because 
the IMAX sequences are the Halo jump, from what I understand, and then the helicopter, which are probably impossible to shoot with gigantic IMAX cameras. Um, so he did but the, the best helicopter he stuff, but not the stuff with Ferguson and Simon Pegg on the ground. So it does a lot of that. Oh, yeah, that's like, weird. Like big, that's little, weird. Big, little, big, little. Yeah. Anytime that's it goes weird. back to them on the ground, it's not IMAX. Yeah, so and, and Nolan, Nolan was famous for that with The Dark Knight and, and, and Dunkirk and, uh, and Interstellar, but those were shot with actual 65mm IMAX cameras, so gigantic, massive cameras. So this is very similar to what the Russos did with Captain America Civil War. So if you see this movie in an IMAX theater, it's going to jump to the IMAX aspect ratio, but it's not going to be the full-blown Christopher Nolan-style IMAX we've seen before or what Brad Bird did with Ghost Protocol. So just a heads up, people out there who are kind of IMAX nerds and film nerds, you'll, you'll kind of uh, you'll get the aspect ratio change, but it's not as big of a jump as, you're, as you think you would get from like a Nolan movie. I was so excited to do this week's hashtag blend game because um, we're going to do the films of Sir Ridley. And yet we all picked the same movie. <laughs> all four of us? Uh, all four of us? All four of us picked the same movie. So, Ash, please tell us what movie we picked as the best film in Sir Ridley Scott's filmography. We all picked Alien! <laughs> yeah, it was between Alien and, and Blade Runner. Did you guys say, was it, was it tough for you guys? I, I acknowledge that Blade Runner is, like, great, but I didn't, like, get on board with that movie until much later. Like, Alien's way... Totally different ball game yeah. for me. That's I also fair. like for whatever reason like loved Matchstick Men when I was yes, so that's the one I was amazing. going to choose. I, I like Matchstick Men. I watched it all the time, so I like almost picked it. And then I was like, wait, we're doing best, not best. just yeah. like. And <laughs> when we do good, this game, when we do this game, there's a huge distinction between best and favorite. And quite yes, often I, we all have. I agree with that. Matchstick yeah, Men is one of his best movies. Great though. movie. I, I and it's weird. It's weird because when it comes to Ridley Scott, I I, I prefer Tony Scott movies personally over ridley scott movies but ridley scott um except top gun. yeah i like top gun i just don't love it like everybody else does um <laughs> but i think that i mean man on fire whatever this Dude, is man so on good. fire man oh, on fire is amazing i i just prefer, i prefer tony scott's uh style uh but alien is clearly it has to be his best movie also not only because of the restrictions of effects at the time Fully on practical aliens. It was unreal what he was what he pulled off of that movie, and essentially making a horror film. And the use use of sound, editing, everything. I still prefer Cameron's Aliens to Alien, yeah, but I do I do think Alien is Ridley Scott's best movie, hands down. I mean, it is it's a masterclass in horror and a masterclass in in minimal. It's it, it's subtle and it's minimal. There's not it, it's not a lot in your face. It's very very. Uh, it builds so well, and that's I think that's what and you know Weaver is just you know she's an absolute genius in that film. So great movie, yeah. Jake. That's what made you choose like, it? Oh, sorry, oh, Ash. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. All you. Oh me? Okay. Well, that's <laughs> what I just like. I, I'm realizing from being on this podcast with you guys that we have like slightly different tastes in movies, which is great. Um, but I don't love like an action packed movie that's super in your face, like you said. Like I love this movie because it's so suspenseful and it's very about the characters and it can do all these subtle things that really freak you out and realize how impactful they are. And that's why I love that movie. I in fact, I'd argue it's scarier when the xenomorph is not there. As yeah. Agreed. To the xenomorph is. I mean, and, and luckily, once you see the xenomorph visually, it's just this unbelievably perfectly designed um, uh, uh, creature, the monster. But just the dread of not knowing where something yeah. is and to me like one thing somewhere around is is to me so much more suspenseful than a bunch of things running around like i, yeah. I that's why i prefer alien over aliens i would rather watch alien 
a hundred times and watch Aliens once. See, I would put Aliens in before Alien, but I, but I, but I agree that that they're well. First of all, they're two completely different movies. Very and, true. But you know what you say about Alien is exactly how I feel about Jaws. Even though Jaws was yeah, Jaws was never intended to be that minimal esque. Uh, shark the shark was supposed to be a major part of the movie but because of the breakdowns it, it became a minimal thing which ended up becoming why the movie was so great so it was the, the whole you know necessity is the mother of invention the accidental happy accident of having that shark mess up um clearly ridley scott you know kind of forced he that was something he looked at initially and at the out at the start of the movie I'm, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have less alien and, and that's gonna create that tension that we get um, for the audiences. I was lucky enough to see Alien when they re-released it in theaters, um, and it was a very cool theater experience. Uh, I, I just remember, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but it was it was incredibly immersive to see that in a dark theater, uh, not at home, not being able to pause it, not being able to get up and go to the bathroom, whatever it was, mm. uh, and it was it was incredible. It truly was an incredible experience, and I think the Ridley yeah, Scott... It's suffocating. It's un and well, it, it arguably has the greatest poster tagline in the history of movies. What is it? Uh, in space, in no space, one can hear no you one scream. Can hear you scream. It was I such think a great- to me one of the the greatest jump scares in a movie is just like and you know uh, Sigourney Weaver is just exhausted and, and 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 as an audience member you're exhausted and she like leans back and you think it's the end of the movie and all of a sudden that arm like what what yeah. you think oh no it's like it's like what you think is like a part of the ship but all of a sudden it starts like moving and mm-hmm. you realize that it's not a part of the ship it's actually the xenomorph I thought it was just. Oh, it's, it, it gets me every single time. I've seen it a thousand times. Do you it know the audience weird. pick? Is it different? For, for everybody who played at home using hashtag Ridley Blend, what'd you guys guess? Gladiator. Gladiator. It's Gladiator. Can you explain and, to me why you hate Gladiator? Yeah, we need to talk to our audience here for that, a second. I, I, love, I love Gladiator. This gentleman, Sean O'Connell, hates Forrest Gump and Gladiator, which it completely... It makes me question the man that I know is Sean O'Connell because those are two phenomenal films. Um, Ash, do you like Forrest Gump? I love Forrest Gump. (laughs) Sean, you're out. Ash, you're in. Of course course Ash does because it's a great movie. I watch it all the time. And I remember my best friend never saw it and I made her sit sit down and watch it. And then I look over and she's just bawling her eyes out. We went out for... uh, Forrest Gump is the best. Do you like Gladiator? Ash, Sean I love Yeah, Gladiator's great. All right, I'm off the podcast. You guys have fun. Good luck. I knew I would. I knew I would replace someone. I just didn't know who. Sean, <laughs> Sean, I want you to take the floor here, yes. and I want you to walk us all through yes. why you quote hate unquote Gladiator. You guys, no. that's what you said. That is what you said. No, 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 no. no. It, this is this is where we differ from Forrest Gump because I actually do hate Forrest Gump. I think that's a really bad movie. <laughs> I just don't that's like Gladiator. Movie. I just Anything don't like Gladiator. Anything that happened in history, he was there. It's yeah, that's great. lame. It's so lame. It's You're lame. So lame. It's Why really pathetic. So upset. Gladiator, I just find to be boring. I think Gladiator is a boring movie. Um, and I wow. part of it is taste. We were just mentioning taste. I'm not a big fantasy guy. I'm not a big sword and sandals guy. So that genre doesn't really do much for me. Um, I just don't like swords and sandals. I think it's totally overdone. Like... I don't like Troy when Troy came out. I don't. Really, I didn't really care for Exodus. Troy's fine. Me I mean, I don't love that, Troy either. But Gladiator's on a different movies. level. I man. also love Troy. I don't even care. So I, I like think if Troy. you like that kind of movie, then it might work for you. But I just think Gladiator is kind of. Gladiator kind of launched that like 
Yeah, I feel like yeah, like all these movies did. that came about, they happened because of Gladiator. But yeah. put sandals and swords aside, Sean. Yeah. Like like yes. it's a it's a put, great put both sandals and swords. <laughs> put the <laughs> sandals. The put your sword down. <laughs> yeah. Also your sandals. But when it all comes down to it, it's an incredible story. And uh, one of Hans Zimmer's best scores. One of Hans Zimmer's it, it, that, that score is so great on its own. Like I I always say that the great the the genius of a score is when it works outside of the movie as equally well as it does inside the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can say that about Interstellar and Dunkirk, whatever. But when you talk about the score for Gladiator, it's a character in its own. And it's the emotional weight of that storyline. And Joaquin Phoenix, my God, that that was my that was my first real experience with oh, him. Oh, I like, forgot I'll he was never in that. get that image it, out of my head. Yeah, That's right. I yeah. forgot that he's in that. Yeah, that's one of those movies that just, when it came out, I saw it. I saw it the one time, and I had no real interest in seeing it so, again. So you've only seen it once? I've only seen it once. Would, would you give it a rewatch for the podcast? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, when I go back and look at the movies that it beat, I think because I loved Almost Famous so much that year. Yeah, and almost. Fan. Yeah, I, I love traffic. You can't. You can't. You can't hold that. So, but but then, so I was angry at Gladiator. Yes, it is the movie's fault because then I was no. mad at Gladiator because it won in when a better movie should have. But what it's about part of why I hate Forrest Gump? So I hate Forrest Gump for that reason. But remember, Pulp well, Fiction. For it, was, it was Pulp Fiction versus Forrest Gump versus Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank and Quiz Show. Quiz Show is a better movie too. Like, seriously, could you imagine being a voter that year? I mean, like. First of all, the easy choice is clearly Pulp Fiction. That's the obvious choice. But now, those three aside, I mean, yeah. those are three masterful films. Uh, I understand why Forrest Gump won. It's the safer of the. It's the safer. But not just movies, that. You have to put yourself back. Like, and I, and I was a six when it came out. But like, based on people who've talked, because I've talked to people about this, like Forrest Gump swept the freaking nation. Like everyone yeah. was talking about. It. Like, yeah, we look back now and we're like, oh, how did you not give it to Pulp Fiction? But wasn't Pulp Fiction more of like a like it did well in Cannes and it was kind of like a slow yeah. burn rollout? Like, like oh, everyone yeah. went and saw Forrest Gump the same way everyone went and saw Titanic. Like. It was everyone was quoting it. It became like bigger than the Ugh, movie itself. Don't remind that's, me. That's, I know. You can't. I you can't. Titanic. You can't hold that against the movie. That's not the movie's fault. It is what it is. It's part of the I love part. Titanic. By the way, right. I, I do. I also I, love Titanic. By the way, I'm actually uh, funny enough. I'm I'm going to the last blockbuster on Monday. Um, on my way back from L.A. and it's in it's in Bend, Oregon. And the reason I bring that up is because do you guys remember Blockbuster had a special edition Titanic VHS? That when they released it, it was like it was the two, it was you know, it was the VHS yeah. with the cover and the two VHSs inside, and then it was like a special blockbuster card that came with it. I, I don't know why that just popped in my that. mind, but I, I, I had to find that. that, so I think my parents might have it Very at home. Cool. But God, I also, that movie. I, I want Gabe to show a picture of his Ready Player One VHS. Oh, it's so awesome. cool! Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. It's like a collector's edition one that he oh, has. I'm so jealous. That he got for it. So, Wait, so is it an actual VHS? It's not like a case for the Blu-ray. It's an actual VHS. Yeah. Yeah. Ash, can you do us a favor and watch Ready Player One and then tweet about it? Because I, I, I really want to get your thoughts on it. I, I, I know that it's on demand now. It's also on yeah. Blu-ray and stuff like that. But I want to get your thoughts on it because we've, we've, uh, we all uh, love the movie there. Um, but I, I I'll be wish... crushed if Ash doesn't like it. Because no, well, I, 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 like, I respect. I do feel like we have different tastes, but I will watch it for you guys. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, no, I, oh, no. I'm, not really, I'm not really getting the different Maybe you tastes. don't watch it. Well, what, 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 I just feel it? like you guys, I don't know. Like, you guys, like, love Mission Impossible, clearly. Um, and it's just, like, not my kind of movie. I don't know. That's fine. Like, I, don't, I mean, listen. I, I why think do you hate we, fun, Ash? It's not, I don't know. I just don't think I like a lot of action in my face. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that, because I, I went and saw it a second time. I brought my fiance in. And when it was over, I was like, so, like, 
what'd you think? And she's like, it was good. Like, and I was like, no, but like, he, like, he real high pitched. And he like, he, you know, he, he went against oncoming traffic and he, he'd roll it. And she's like, yeah, like that's, that's nice. I didn't, that's nice. I, I didn't love, I didn't love fallout. I didn't love fallout. I, and we'll get to the review. I'll have my review coming up next week, but ghost protocol and road nation, I think are, are much better films. And I think, I know Jake nice. says that uh, this one's the best and we'll get into that, all the details in that next week. But before we go, I know that Gabe wants us to go, but because we have Ash on real quick, um, we've gotten to a lot of discussions on this show, and I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm not trying to take over or derail anything here, but Ash has to speak on this real quick because Sean had a second coming on The Last Jedi, and I don't oh. know, but Ash, what was your definitive thoughts on that movie? I know, because you're, you're probably one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know next to Jake. Yeah. Um, we've discussed this movie a lot on our show. Um, I know we've all had differing opinions on it. Sean did not like it at first, now he loves it. Uh, yeah. I, I still don't love it. Jake doesn't love it. Um, did you love that movie? I did. The first time I saw it, I was really unsure. And then, like, the more I watched it, the more I loved it. I don't uh, love everything about it. Like, I, I thought the Canto Bite thing was a little bit of a drop. And, like, I don't love everything that Luke did, obviously. But I accept it as fact. And uh, I thought it was just, like, a really, like, well-done, awesome movie. Like, that throne room scene, that fight between... Yes. Uh, with Kylo and Rey was like one of the best things I've ever seen in a Star Wars film, or if not the best fight scene in a Star Wars film. I thought it was so amazing, but I do think, um, I think The Last Jedi is the best, the better of, um, between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, but oh, I wow. think, I think The Force Awakens is, has more rewatchability. Like I'll watch that movie all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's kind of how I feel about Empire and A New Hope. Like I will watch, A New Hope is my favorite, but I think Empire's the best. That's interesting. interesting. I, I, I just find it, and I've told the guys this on the show a million times, I, I, I and I get the, the discussion of Luke throwing the saber over his shoulder. I just feel like that's exactly what SNL would have done with that with that moment. Like that, that would, that's what that's what the Saturday Night Live version of that scene would have been for me. I just felt yeah. that it, I felt that the movie was it was so, in my opinion, aware of our expectations that yeah. it that it went against it, in my opinion. I don't know if this was... This was I, I doubt this was Ryan's intentions because I love Ryan as a filmmaker. I think yeah. Brick, Brick is amazing and Looper. Um, it just felt like the movie was aware that we were sitting in a theater waiting for what was going to happen. And, and for J.J. to end Force Awakens with that epic moment of Ray handing the saber to Luke, uh, and then for me, for Ryan to turn it into a joke, um, I just... that I don't I, think it... It lost me. It lost I, me. I don't... Yeah, I don't think that moment was intended to be a joke. Like, I think it happened and everyone starts laughing in the theater. But I think, like, to Ryan, that was like, what would somebody who re- who's rejected the Jedi Order do? He would throw it. He doesn't want to see that thing. But I'd argue, but then, well, then is that a failure as a filmmaker? Because if, if he didn't intend for it to be a joke and everyone laughed at it... Because, right. like, I feel like there's, just for me, like, because I get your point, because, like, to me, it'd be, it'd be much more dramatic, almost like if it fell to his side, then he dropped it in the ground, or he, like, you know, if he chunked it. But the fact that he just, like, to me, like, the toss over the back, to me, is a very yeah. comical Yeah, yeah. Thing. No, I agree. And I, I do think, like, some of the, I, I love the movie, I love Ryan, but I do think some of the humor was a little bit, like, totally yeah. off from the rest yeah. of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like, the rest and of like, the Star Wars. Like, the mom joke was a little, like, like, do yeah. they tell your mom jokes in... Galaxy far, far away? Yeah, there was stuff like that. How do we know they don't? Like, well, because we have no proof that they do up to this point. All right, Gabe is telling I'm, me we have to wrap. Listen, <laughs> Gabe, we wrap this show when we want to wrap this show. I do I'm bring two-time this, Harry Award winner Jake Hamilton. I do bring this up only because uh, we have Ash on, and she's a one of the biggest Star Wars fans I've ever met. And I just wanted Absolutely. that to be talked about, but. 
This is my last question. 100%. This is the, this is the yes or no question. Ash, at the end of Last Jedi, yeah. do you genuinely feel that we need another Star Wars movie? And what I have to say by that, what I'm, here's what yes. I mean by that. At the end of Force Awakens, I couldn't wait until the next film to find out what was going to happen with the continuation of that story. Yeah. At the end of Jedi, I, in my mind, I think Jake agrees with me, I have, in my, I have no excitement and or wonder as to what will possibly happen I, next. I, I wouldn't say I don't, I don't have wonder. Like, I'm not as jacked about it as I was after Force Awakens, but, like, I gotta know what happened. Like, I, knowing that well, there's more story to tell. But what's the question? What, what did that movie end with besides that kid? We will find it. I think I'm even more intrigued because of that. Like, I feel like The Last Jedi, we had so many expectations, so many things that we were like, this is the answers that we're gonna get. Here's, like, nine questions we have after watching The Force Awakens. The fact that we don't have any, it's like... I'm more intrigued by the fact that I'm going to go into a movie and not know what's going to happen. But JJ's got to be a little upset about, like, essentially Ryan kind of throwing everything away that, that he created. Am I, I don't in know. my mind? It has to be. There's I a, don't know, because he was part of it. Like, was he, though? Like, did, did, did I heard that Ryan Johnson didn't even, like, I don't think there was a lot of interaction between those two. Was there? Am I wrong? I mean, I, I don't know for sure. Talking. I can only tell you, like, what I've asked in interviews and I was like so you know what happens to Last Jedi and JJ being like oh my god I can't wait for you guys to see it I mean he could have just been like yeah I feel like when when you're working for Disney there's a little bit of like playing the Disney game which is just sort of you go along with the machine whether you agree with it or not yeah and Ash you didn't like you didn't love Solo right I did not love Solo. Neither I wanted I. to like it so. I, 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 you know what? I've seen every Star Wars movie that's come out since I've been alive in theaters at least like six times. I only saw Solo once, which is crazy wow. because yeah, I just surprising. didn't love it. But yeah. I will say there's so many like deep cuts and Easter eggs in Solo that I really want to sit down and kind of dissect it at home. So maybe when I watch it again, I'll have a totally different opinion. I think okay. Solo is a movie that's going to play well with audiences over the coming years. Play a drinking so. game this week, and everybody take a sip. Every time I said okay in the last ten minutes to try to get us back on track. This is like this is like when I talk to my mom on the phone and I'm like, okay, mom, I'm gonna, and she's like, and I forgot to tell you what grandma's doing. No, that's exactly what this podcast is described as. Yeah, our our podcast is described as when you're talking to your mom at home and trying to get her off the phone. We we, we, we just have it. Ash on and not talk no. Forwards. I agree, one hundred percent. Yes, one hundred percent. And Ash, Ash. You have to agree with me on this. The Han Solo naming scene is one of the worst scenes in the history of oh, movies. Dude, you're one of the worst it. scenes in the history. Oh my Thank god! You. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Hate you're by yourself. Can't you wrap you're this show solo? Up? Oh my next god! Next week's assignment. So uh, I'm trying to think of what next week's blend game is. And I was thinking a lot about Mission Impossible, um, and I'm thinking a lot about famous villains from that franchise, and I'm thinking about an actor who had his birthday on July 23rd. So next week we are going to play hashtag Hoffman Blend, and we will debate the best films by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Along oh. came Polly. Oh, that's lovely. Along came. Okay, Polly. no, no, best film or best performance. <laughs> performance. Let it rain. Yes. Make it rain. <laughs> performance. God, I love. I love Along Came Polly so much. It's one of my favorite movies. Ever. I can't play basketball without doing that. Like every God. time. <laughs> when Ben Stiller takes that guy's stomach to his face that's all sweaty, it's one of my favorite shots I've ever I actually <laughs> like, really like that movie. All right. So, Agreed. play along. Hashtag Hoffman Blend. Ooh, Ash, this you is can, a good one. You can tweet us your, uh, 
your choice and we'll read it next week. And um, okay. we got to wrap. We are way over. Ash Crossan, thank you so much for okay. joining us. I just have a few more points I need podcast. to make. Yeah, just a few more things about Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you guys. Uh, I'm going to go past all the social points. We're on at Real Blend and find us there. And we're way over. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys next week. Dunkirk. Thank you. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money and